glad that you are here as we continue our summer series uh, through the life of Moses. And we're talking about living a life of Exodus. And we want to say welcome to those of you watching in the parent viewing room. That's a great place to go. If you have little ones that get fussy during the service, just pass our donuts and coffee. Uh, there's a room there where you can watch the service live with us. Did I mention that the, at the high school there's air conditioning in the auditorium? Did I mention that? I don't know if I did. But yeah, <laughs> Yeah, we're pretty excited. So, like, this is, I know that many of you are, like, suffering for the Lord today. So just know that it's probably counted for you in heaven, okay? So if you have uh, your bulletins, there should be some message notes. You want to grab those out and take your pen, and you can do some fill-in-the-blank with us. That would be awesome. For those of you that were not here last Sunday, uh, our guest speaker, Steve, talked about how once Pharaoh released the Israelites to, like, take off and go, and he had finally had enough after all the plagues, they got a few days away And Pharaoh changed his mind. He decided that he wasn't going to let them go after all. And that he was going to go back after them. And so he sent out his armies after them to go and kill and destroy them. And here they were, the entire group of Israelites against the Red Sea, in between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army that was coming after them. And he shared about how in all of our predicaments that we can trust God. And uh, what you will find throughout the life of Moses is this reoccurring theme of needing to trust God again and again and again and again. And this should give us hope to recognize that this whole trust in God thing isn't as simple as a once and done endeavor. But this is something for all of us, your very first villain. Rather, trust in God is a daily choice we make to surrender control to him. Trust in God is a daily choice we make to surrender control to him. Can we all say that together? Let's all read it together. Ready? Trust in God is a daily choice we make to surrender control to him. That's what it is. That's what trust in God is. It's making this daily decision that I'm going to surrender all control over to him. And this is, again, what we're going to see happen in the life of the Israelites as we pick up the story in this part of our series as God teaches them some very important lessons. And here's the truth, that if you want to live a life of exodus, going from where you were to where you want to be or where you are to where you want to be, these are lessons that every single one of us have to learn just like they did. And hopefully we can learn it sooner than they did because they wandered the desert for 40 years, right? And so hopefully we can pick up on this just a little bit quicker. But I want you to imagine with me, everybody just imagine, picture this in your mind, a couple million people have just stood before the Red Sea as the Red Sea parted. God did another amazing miracle. They walked across on dry land. The Egyptian armies came in behind them to destroy them. And God sent the Red Sea back over them, killing them all. And here they are. God crushes their enemy, sets them free. And it's the first time they've been free in over 400 years. Do you know what they did as soon as they crossed over on the other side? You know what they did? This is amazing. They wrote a song. They said, what better way for us to celebrate than with song? And they sang it to the Lord. Exodus 15, 1 through 3, it says this. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. Now, I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to read it, okay? But it says, I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted, both horse and driver. He has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Now check this out. We just read three verses. This song goes on for 21 verses of praise and thanks to God for all that they had just seen and done. Look at verse 13 in particular. 
It says, in your unfailing love, you will, what's that word? You will lead the people. In other words, God, you have led us, and now we're going to keep looking to you. You, have, you will lead the people you have redeemed in your strength. You will guide them to your holy dwelling. I mean, this goes on and on and on and on. And now they were on their way to the promised land. They are pumped. They are excited. They are grateful. Do you know how long that gratefulness lasted? How long do you think? Oh, so you've been there too, right? <laughs> you've been there. Okay, so you know the, the human emotion here, right? Here it is. Their gratefulness and trust in God lasted for three whole days. Three whole days. After all they've seen free for 400 years, it lasted three days. Look at Exodus 15. It says this. Then Moses led, the Is- led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding any water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Moses, we're so thirsty. And Moses cried out to the Lord. The Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God. Check this out. If you listen carefully to the Lord your God, and do what is right in his eyes. If you pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the disease that I brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. He says, listen, I know that I've already done like 1.2 million miracles for you guys, and here's one more thing. Just throw this piece of wood in the water, and now you can drink it and all that. But I just want you to know that if you will follow me in all my decrees, hey, it's going to be smooth sailing for you. And as you can imagine, they're grateful again. Their gratefulness went way up. And this lasted for the rest of their lives, right? No, actually only about 42 more days. 42 more days. Exodus 16. The whole Israelite community sent out from Ilium, and they came to the desert of Sin, which was between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th, now check this out, on the 15th day of the second month, after they had come out of Egypt, In the desert, the whole community, the whole, could you imagine a couple million people, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron, right? You thought it was bad when a few people grumbled against you at work or when your kids grumbled against you at home. Could you imagine a couple million people grumbling against you and you're leading them? It says they all grumbled against Moses and Aaron and said to them, if only we had died in Egypt, There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Man. Right? And now you you begin to understand why they were there for 40 years learning these lessons, right? Of trusting God, relinquishing control that God was going to provide. I mean, you know, we, we think to ourselves, can we believe that? Absolutely. Because we're human. Isn't it great to be human and still feel the same emotions that they felt a couple thousand years ago? We know human nature. That this is really inside of all of us, your next fill-in. That all it takes is a little hunger in any area of our lives to begin to change who we are and what we trust in. All it takes is a little hunger in our life. In any area to begin to change who we are and what we trust in. You think about the areas of your life that you're not satisfied and that you're quick to take control over. The things that we tend to begin to complain about when things aren't going our way. And suddenly you see our human nature kicking in. 
questioning who we trust and who we are. Your next fill in our human nature is impatient and demanding of control because we think we do outcomes better than God. Now, I don't want you to miss this part right here. Our human nature tends to believe that we can do outcomes better than God can. Now, you might be offended by that, right? Because you, none of us would really want to admit that because all of us, you know, that trust in God, of co- I mean, or call ourselves Christians, of course we trust God 100%. But I would argue this, that even though we don't want to admit it, and in the deep, hidden corners of our heart, we sometimes carry this belief that we can work out our situations better than God can. We have this belief that we can figure it out better than God can. And so we vie for control over all of those areas in our life. We think we can provide better for ourselves and our families better than God can. We think, God can hand, we, think we can handle that relationship better than God can. We think on and on. We think we're, that God is maybe too busy or uninterested about how this or how that will turn out. We're quick to complain to God the moment that life isn't going according to our American dream. But is it possible that God is more interested in fulfilling his dream for our life than our American dream? Is it possible that God has a better plan and a bigger plan, a more important plan than your house with three-car garage and 2.5 kids? Is it possible that God has more in store? See, the truth is our next feeling that he always wants to mold us and shape us into trusting him more and more for everything in this life. And he will use every circumstance possible to keep us trusting in him again and again and again. And some of us, were slow to learn this, and that's why we find ourselves in place after place after place where we're forced to depend on God, forced to depend on God, and then he comes through, and then he comes through, and then he comes through. And when the next challenge comes, when that next things arise, all of a sudden we revert back to vying to take control because I think I can make this outcome better than God can. And I love this passage in Jeremiah 18 that talks about this specifically. It says, this is the message that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house and I'll give you my message there. He said, so I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working with clay at the wheel. He was making a pot from clay. But there was something wrong with the pot. So the potter used that clay to make another pot. With his hands, he shaped the pot the way that he wanted it to be. Then this message from the Lord came to me and comes to us this morning. Family of Riverway. You know that I can do the same thing with you. You are like the clay in the potter's hand, and I am the potter. God has given us this visual that we ultimately don't control anything, that he is the one that shapes and forms our lives. And there are times, would you not agree, that we get ourselves into places that our lives are not turning out that great and the pot's not looking that pretty. And God says, I'm going to take that same clay and I'm going to remold you. I'm going to take these situations to remold you and remold you and reshape you into trusting me more and becoming more like me. This is what God desires for us more than anything else. That we would become more and more like him, more and more like him. We need to be reminded of this often. 
that he is the potter and we are the clay. He's the potter, we're the clay. How often we forget about this, do we not? We forget. And I need one person to help me real quick. Awesome. Patrick, you want to help me real quick? Come here, man. Everyone clap for Patrick. Clap for Patrick. Come on, you can clap better than that for Patrick. I mean, look at him. He's a good-looking guy. Come up here, Patrick. All right, I'm going to be standing right over here for a minute. Okay, will you do that for me? Okay, and I've got this helicopter, okay? And um, we're just going to turn this on. We're going to set this right here. We're going to turn this on. All right, so now your job, I'm going to give you this control, all right? And for a minute, I want this helicopter to represent all the things in life that we try to control, right? All the different things that we're worried about, all the relationships, all the provision, the money, that job, that thing, whatever it is, that's going to represent that. And all you've got to do is keep it in the air, okay? So that's the only thing I want you to focus on right now. You're going to have control of this thing, right? Okay, you're going to have control in just a second, right? So this button goes up, and it's going to go up in the sky. Now, if you go all the way up, it's going to hit the ceiling and break, so don't break the remote control, okay? Don't, don't break my helicopter, okay? So you've got you to find a, a good spot, and then this thing right here, this will kind of just turn it in a direction, okay? And so um, to get it up in the air, you've got to go real hard at first. Yep, go, okay, yep, yep, you almost killed me. Okay, that's good. Okay, go ahead, real fast. Yep, there you go. Perfect. Okay. Oh, see, you're doing good, man. Look at you. This is good. Now, Patrick, I mean, he is a natural at this, right? And here's the issue that for all of us that we face is that oftentimes when it comes to things that we wish we could control, whatever that thing is, and you know what your thing is. You could probably list four or five things right now that you are worried about. (laughs) See, this is why God should be in control, Patrick. This is why. Okay, we're going to try it again. Okay, go ahead, Patrick. Go ahead, Patrick. No, you didn't break it. Hold on. Oh, maybe I should have charged it. Are you supposed to charge these? Oh, let me shut it off and turn it back on. Okay, now try. Okay, so we're going to pretend that this is flying in the air right now, okay? That's okay. You're doing, you're doing great. Okay. So, so we're going to pretend that this is flying, okay, over Patrick's head right now. But oftentimes, you know, it is for all of us, and you can, you can keep messing with it, man, and maybe it will turn on. I don't know. Go, little thing. Go. Go. Fly. Did it go? Oh, no, it didn't go. So oftentimes in our life, right, this is what we try to control. We look at the things in our life. And and you know what's so crazy about it is that God stands next to us and says, hey, can I have control of that? Hey, can I have control of all those things that you're worried about and all the things you're thinking about? Could I take control? And you see, when we're in control, see, for when Patrick, when he's trying to fly this helicopter, all that he can focus on is the helicopter. That's it. He can't see anything else but that. He can't really carry on a conversation. He couldn't juggle or do something cool. In fact, he probably couldn't even walk around this room and do this without crashing it. But the whole time, God is saying, hey, if I can take control over the things that you're worried about, thank you. If I can take, God is saying, if I could take control, look at how much this is going to free up your life to take care of everything else. Look at how much it's going to free up your life to go do what I've called you to do. If you'll allow me to control the things that ultimately you really can't control anyway, Patrick, obviously. And so if you would let me take control, all of a sudden life gets so much easier. 
But for every one of us, we fight for control because in the hidden places of our heart, oftentimes we think that we can control better outcomes than God can. And so the question is, who do you, who do you let have control? Is it you or is it God? About those things. Thank you, Patrick. Give Patrick a nice round of applause. And we'll get that charged up. If you just want to bring it to the back table, maybe they could plug it in. Or I don't know what they have to do. I'm not an expert on those things, right? So when it comes to control, your next feeling, that God wants us to relinquish control in our lives over to him so that he can be in his rightful place. He wants to be in the rightful place, that he's in control over everything. But this is so hard, is it not? That's why I said it's simple to understand. It's hard to implement in our lives. We get stuck in this place again and again where we're trying to take control. We want control. I'm going to lead this because I just feel better even though ultimately we can't control it. To really trust God that he'll provide that money, that job, that relationship, that outcome, that restoration, that reconciliation, that need to be met, whatever it is. And here's some truth from God's word for us. Romans 8, 31, it says, if God is for us, no one can stand against us. And God is with us. He even let his own son suffer for us. God gave his son for all of us. So now, with Jesus, God will surely give us all things. You know what this means? It means that if God is for us, all of his power is on our side. It means that all of his sovereignty is exerted for our good and never against us. It means that all of his decrees and promises are for our benefit. Look at Romans 8, 28. All things, everybody say all things. All things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Everybody say all things. How many things? All things work together for good, which means this, your next feeling, that if God is always for us and not against us, then everything that comes our way is for our good. Everything. Which means this, that even if it's bad, it's good for us. Even if it's hard, it's good for us. You know why? Because God is taking the hardest things, like he takes that pot on that potter's wheel, and he says, I am going to reform you into trusting me more. This whole idea is about you relinquishing control to me, and so I'm going to use every situation, I am going to allow every situation to turn out for your good. Even the hardest things in your life, I'm going to use them for good so that you will learn to trust me more. Everything is for our good. Because he rules all things and he is only for us. And this is an amazing thought to wrap our minds around. But this knowledge, your next fill-in, must move from our head to our heart to our actions and emotions in order for it to make any difference in our life. Look at the person next to you or behind you and say, from your head to your heart. Come on, tell them right now. From your head to your heart. From your head to your heart. Because I don't think there's any of us in this room that would claim to be followers of Jesus Christ that wouldn't agree that we're supposed to trust him. So where's the misfire? Where's the misconnect that causes all of us to move back into that role where we're trying to grab control again? 
We're trying to take the remote control out of God's hands. No, 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 let me control this part of my life because I kind of feel like I can do this better than you can. Where's the disconnect? Here it is. That while we might know these things, we have not moved them to our heart, which impacts our emotions and actions. We've not allowed this to really root deep inside of us that no matter what we face, we can just say, God's in control, and I trust him wholeheartedly. And this is exactly what God was doing in the lives of the Israelites. Here they are in the middle of the desert, starving, beginning a 40-year journey. And unless God comes through, I mean, they're in the middle of the desert. Where are you going to get water? Where are you going to get food? Where are you going to get it? It's not like you're like planting rows of carrots, right? You're not doing that in the desert. So where are they going to get food from? So here the Israelites are. And God goes, I've got you right where I want you. Where you have no choice but to lean all of your control in my direction. All of your trust. Everything you're wondering about and fearful of and how's the outcome and what about this and her and that and job and money. I'm, I'm putting you in this spot where you have no choice but to put all your trust in me. He wanted these Israelites to give up control over their situation and to trust their heavenly father In May, we did our prayer series, and the Lord's Prayer begins, Our Father, who art in heaven. Which means you're not talking and praying to some distant, faraway God. He's a Father to us. And there's nothing that goes unseen. And God hears the grumbling from the Israelites. He sees what's going on. And in chapter 16, verse 9, he responds. And Moses told Aaron, Say to the whole Israelite community, Come before the Lord. He has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. As if you've doubted it for like the ten plagues that I spared you from. In case you doubted it when the Red Sea parted and I brought you through. In case there was a time you were thirsty and we threw the piece of wood in and now you could drink water. In case you were wondering all of that, now I'm going to do another miracle. And I'm going to show you that at twilight you're actually going to have meat and every morning you're going to have bread and I'm going to provide this for you. And then you will know that I am the Lord your God. And they thought, no way. Where is this food going to come from? We're in the middle of the desert. There's no way food's just going to appear. But it continues, it says, that evening, quail came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is this? I mean, they didn't even have a word for it. They didn't even know what it was. Moses said to them, is it the bread the, it is the, bread the Lord has given you to eat? then this is what the Lord has commanded. Check out this commandment. Remember when he said, if you'll follow all my commands, you're going to be just fine? This is what he commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. Now, an omer was just an uh, ancient Hebrew measurement that meant one-tenth of 35 liters. And so three and a half liters, three and a half liters, that they were supposed to go pick up every morning, every night. 
Check this out. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have, mu- did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Now here's where it gets crazy. Check this out. Then Moses said to them, no one is supposed to keep any of this until morning. Like I know you're hungry and all that stuff, but your leftovers have to be thrown out every single day. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. Surprising. And they kept part of it until morning. But it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry at them. Now, why do you think Moses was angry? You know why? Because God had given them opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to relinquish control to God. And even though crazy it is, is quail appeared and bread appeared right on the desert floor, they still couldn't trust God for the next 24 hours. And Moses was saying, listen, no, 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 listen. God's going to do this every day for you. He's going to provide quail and bread every single day. But some people started hoarding it like, oh my gosh, we have to get enough for the whole week because we don't know if we can trust God even though we saw the plagues and we saw the Red Sea and we saw the water and we saw this quail and we don't know if we can trust God for the next 24 hours. And Moses kind of ticked off. He's like, how many opportunities have you seen God be faithful to you in the past? And were those promises fulfilled so shallow and so broken that you can't even trust him for the next 24 hours? So it says, each morning everyone gathered as much as they needed and when the sun grew hot, it melted away for the day. And on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much. They were instructed to do this. Two omers for each person going into the weekend. They said, listen, God doesn't work on the Sabbath. And so listen, you need to get twice as much for the weekend to cover two days. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. And he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest. A holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. Now check this out. So they saved it until morning as man had commanded and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Isn't this amazing? It did not get maggots in it two days. And God set up this example. Remember in Genesis? When God created for six days and he said, the seventh day is, I'm taking a day of rest. You know, and there's many of us that we've lost this art of the Sabbath day. We don't have time to get into that today. But to take a day each week and set it aside for God and say, God, this is your day and it's a day of rest. And it's a day to recharge my batteries spiritually and physically so that I can take on the next week in front of us. I mean, imagine the miracles that God was doing. The quail and the bread. And they kept too much and got maggots in it. But God said, hey, on the weekend, I want you to do twice as much. And then there's no maggots. What a miracle that God had planned. And God was doing the miraculous in their life because he wanted them to relinquish control. To say, at what point in time will you have faced enough hard things and seen my provision in your life that you will ultimately just control, that you will give control to me and trust in me? At what point in your life 
would you be willing to hand me the control and say, God, for all the things that I'm worried about and all the things that I'm stressed about and all the things that keep me up at night, God, I'm relinquishing all that control to you. At what point would we, the people of God, be willing to do that? Because for many of us, we struggle and carry the stress and we wonder how those things will ever get worked out. And you know what those things are. What are your things? You probably have four or five things right now, don't you? What are your things? It's gonna be different from the person on your right or left. I've got my things. What are your things that you carry? And God is asking each one of us to relinquish control to him. Because let me ask you a question. How much of life can you really control? Can you control another person's choices? Can you decide what tomorrow holds? Can you determine when your last breath will be here on earth? You see, when you stop and think about it, there is very little that actually we control. Your next feeling, if you have ever felt overwhelmed or felt like giving up, you realize how impossible it is to control anything but you have a heavenly father who loves you and is fully on your side. Because the stresses and pressures of life, they cause us to want to quit and give up, don't they? They cause us to feel overwhelmed and a burden so great. But the truth is we have a father in heaven who said he would never leave you on your own. He will never leave me on my own, no matter what I face, no matter what life brings me, I am not alone ever. But he said, in, he said instead that he would be our ever-present help in time of need. Ever-present help in time of need. And this is a promise from God. Did you hear what I just said? It's a promise from God that you will never be alone and he will be your ever-present help in time of need. And so he's asking, because I've promised this to you and I am a good father, give me control. And here's how we do it. Real practically, this is where the rubber meets the road and it's your next feeling. The question is, would you be willing to relinquish control and trust to God? And this is how we do it. We refuse to emotionally control things we can't control and bring it all to prayer and leave it there. We refuse to emotionally control the things we can't control. We bring it all in prayer and we leave it to God. That's what we do. We package all of our needs, all of our hurts, all of our fears, all of the outcomes, all of our desires, all the relationships into prayers, and we leave them with God. Let me reiterate this. We leave them with God. In case you didn't hear me. We leave them with God. We leave them. In other words, we leave them. To say it differently, we leave them. And we don't pick it back up again. I'm not going to emotionally control what I can't control. And God, you see it all. 
and I'm learning to trust and relinquish. I'm gonna take that remote control and I'm handing it to you, God, over all these things and I'm gonna leave it with you. And I'm gonna go about my day, my week, and I'm gonna do the things that I can do and I'm leaving everything else up to you. I'm gonna do my part, God, and the rest, you're gonna do yours. Everything is yours. And do you know what happens? When you begin to figure this thing out, life actually gets a whole lot easier and fear begins to dissipate in your life. I've got three or four things right now that almost every day I have to go, God, I can't control this and so I'm giving it to you. And I'm not gonna let it consume my day. I'm not gonna let it consume my thoughts. God, I'm giving this to you today. I'm relinquishing all control. The question is, would we be willing to do that? Or does God have to take us around the desert again and again and again and again and again and again and again until we can learn to relinquish it all to him? That's the question. And so today, here's how we all want to end. We're going to sing this song one more time called You Alone. And this is going to be our response time to talk to God and to worship him through song. So would you stand to your feet all over this room as we get ready to close today? here's what I want you to do, if it's possible. I want you to forget about who's on your right and who's on your left, who's in front of you and who's behind you. And I want you to think about those things that have been consuming your thoughts and demanding control from you. And as we sing this song, I want you to begin to take those things and say, God, I'm leaving them all with So let's sing and worship together. And here's our verse of the week, and it comes out of the song that the Israelites wrote. Exodus 15, 2, and it says, The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. This is at the bottom of your notes this week. And I'd like you to take this verse and I'd like you to put it somewhere this week where you can read it every single day. That the Lord is my strength, that I will not be overcome with fear. I will not be overcome with the things I can't control, the things that I try to. But God, I'm going to relinquish it to you. Would you bow your heads as we get ready to pray this morning? Maybe you're here and your first step is just surrendering your life to God. Maybe you've never done that before. Or maybe you once did and you know that you're not following him. And today is your day to say, God, I'm going to put all my trust back in your hands. Or maybe the things of this life that have been hard or the things that you've tried to take control of, maybe today would be your day. You'd say, God, I'm going to trust you in everything and believe that everything will turn for my good, everything everything is for my good and I want to trust you more and more so just 30 seconds you and God let's do that right now
those things creep up and we are so tempted to try to carry it all, would you teach us and remind us by your spirit to surrender those things in prayer and leave them with you, that we will not pick them up emotionally. We will not carry those loads that you have not called us to carry, but we hold on to your promises that you are for us and not against us and that everything turns out for our good. We trust you for that promise today. So work it out in our lives, God, that we would be a people that don't just call you Father in name only, but God, we would call you Father as people who truly know you and trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen.